0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Appledore Research Podcast. My name is Robert Curran, Consulting Analyst with Appledore. As ever, we're here to share insights on the transformation of telecom in the era of cloud, network automation and AI. If you enjoy today's podcast, make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Now enjoy the show. Telecom is a technology-led industry. Years of research. Decade after decade has enabled amazing breakthroughs in communication from transmission over distance, digitization, optical fiber, and, of course, mobile communications. And those are still the innovations that telecom values most of all. But a sizable proportion of the operational spend by telecom companies is on people. People to build networks, investigate problems, deal with customers, design solutions, configure the network, assess its condition, and so on. And much as those of us on the software side hate to admit it, It's been people relying on Microsoft Exile and Microsoft Access that have held much of telecom operations together for most of that time. But that is changing. Automation, what we might call rail automation, is now right at the top of the telecom executive agenda. We talk about a new automation-first mindset being essential for telcos. So how is that being manifested in the choices that telcos are making in their network operations and also in their choice of vendors? With me here to discuss how the new enthusiasm for automation is impacting telecom, I have Rohit Batra, General Manager for ServiceNow's Telecom Media and Technology Business, and Francis Haysum, who has written extensively about telecom inventory management. Hello. Francis, I want to start with you because so much of what happens operationally in a telco, all that hands-on work, uh, is related to the inventory of the network. Uh, Can you give us a quick summary of the relationship between automation in telecom and telecom network inventory? How have the needs of one shaped the other in in, in another direction?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's important to stress automation fundamentally relies on good decision making. If you're not making good decisions, you cannot automate anything. And that can only be done with good data. Um, And in a telco, that good data is fundamentally tied to what is the inventory, knowing knowing what is in your network, where it is, how it is, how it is operating is critical to that kind of decision-making. Um, but a, a lot of what is changing in telco today, things becoming much more dynamic networks, much more IP, um, IP-based networks, software-based, uh, increasingly software-defined defined networks, makes that a much more dynamic um uh, form of network. So that inventory is, 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 is changing with that one. Um, it, it, what that means is increasingly inventory is in many places and needs to, to, to be able to support various real-time automations that are around that one. And bringing that all together, how do you manage what are now multiple inventories, distributed inventories, decision-making that is much more real-time, um, requires strong process management. Um, something we've emphasized in a lot of our research on the in- inventory um, and the, 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 the inventory and the processes that go across it, whether that's delivering more dynamic service delivery or proactive assurance, um, how, how you deal with what the network used to look like in the past. Versus what you know about the network as it's going to be in the future, all need to be brought brought into the into play in terms of, of the decision making and needs that active uh, process management. Um, tied to that also is a view that you're going to have many sources. You can't you can't rely on perfect data accuracy. So you're going to need again processes which are managing the discrepancies in data across that network. Uh, whether that's discrepancies due to timeliness, but also discrepancies just due to the physical nature of of networks, where are things, where are cars, and when are they being swapped out? Now, again, all of that comes back to a uh, data accuracy needs strong process management.
0: Excellent, Francis. Thanks for for painting that picture for us. Rohit, thanks so much for joining us today, first time on the podcast. Before we pick up on some of the points that, that Francis brought up there, for listeners, help us understand what informs your perspective on, on automation. Where do where do you come from and how do you enter the, the, this picture?
2: Uh, first of all, thank you for the opportunity, Robert, and it's a pleasure to speak to you and Francis once again. Um, so it's funny, and this will date me a little bit, but um, when I first, first uh, saw a network inventory system back in... 2002, um, maybe earlier, um, it was the Metasolve system, arcadel which, you know, I think a lot of people who probably lived in that time mm-hmm. and worked with... Legendary. Country. Exactly. Um, so it, um, you know, it was it was so inspiring to see that particular platform at that time to be able to, sh- to do everything in it. Like you had the data, you had ticketing, you had auto management, you had customer service, everything in that one application. And everybody came from whichever roles that you came in, you could basically access that system and you could do all of that. Um, but to Francis's point, it was all dependent on what the data was, was how the quality of the data was. Um, and depending upon it, you could either execute uh, certain tasks or you, you could basically fall over. Um, so it got me ready to think about the value of good data and the value of processes that could be used in conjunction with data, um, and th- as, a, as my progression of my career, when I was at Oracle or at Amdocs, it was, uh, you know, looking at serv- looking at it from the lens of service delivery and commerce, and 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 now it's ServiceNow with service management being the initiative. If you look at all of those processes, it's all driven on what's in your system, what's on your network, how is that information being accessed, how is that information being used in terms of processing that data, in terms of having workflows that are associated to it. So that's been my personal journey across in, across this domain. And so, if, as in parallel, if you look at ServiceNow, ServiceNow came from an IT um, IT lens, like six, seventeen years ago when the company was formed. was formed on the basis of solving from IT issues. Um, and so, we knew the IT domain extremely well. We knew we knew how to model IT systems. We knew how to model uh, s- software software applications and services, and we knew how to process them really well. Um, As we looked at the telecommunication network, we saw that the shift was happening from core network into a software-driven network, exactly what Francis said earlier. And as we came from the IT platform and we were trusted by the IT organization, we saw this amalgamation of both those journeys happening together. ServiceNow as an organization moving from IT into network, the network itself moving from uh, traditional networks into software-driven networks, and we being the platform that was doing service management and automation and driving intelligence on the IT side, um, we were able to le- take those experiences and abilities and bring it into um, in, in the network domain, if you will. So I, I think personally, to the point that Francis made, I think data is very important. It, it absolutely is what drives all the decision making. Um, and using the, a business process mindset to combine with that data uh, challenge that we talked about, this was right in the wheelhouse of service now. and that's what we were. That's that's the lens that um, actually you know drove our decision making into this process.
0: That's, that's great background, Rohit. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. You've had a close up perspective on this for a long time throughout your career, which is which is kind of <laughs> helpful, to say the least. One thing that again, I don't want to be hard on, on telecom. It's not completely new to the idea of automation, but I don't think it's unfair to say that. Uh, telecom doesn't really have a sort of automation-first ethos. So, I mean, considering that automation is really what ServiceNow is all about, what does an automation-first mindset look like?
2: I think you're absolutely right. Automation exists or has existed for a while, but I think the the relativity of what an automation means in a telecommunication company is what defines the definition, if you will. So I'll give you an example of where we understand automation very simply. Um, think about a service ticket. You have a problem with your network. You have a problem with anything into um, into your systems. You raise a ticket. The ticket comes in. Um, using the information in that ticket, the context of it, you can drive an automation. The automation could be for remediation. It can be for guiding it to the right teams. It can provide recommendations. Um, it can provide escalation paths. You know any of that process. I mean, and even for that matter, just if you go back, go all the way to close automation, it can even solve that issue, if you will. Um, that's something we understand. And, and, and I think the industry has, has come a long way in, in that domain. But now you expand that definition across teams. Same organization, but you think about the network operations person who was working on that ticket and trying to resolve it. How does that person take that information and we automate that information into the hands of a customer service person? the person who's gonna be talking to the customer. How do we provide the context of the customer, the SLAs that the customer has signed up for, the historical evidences of how the customer has had the experience in the past, and that drives and informs the automation. That's where things become challenging, because now you're crossing boundaries. You're moving away from the network domain, and you're moving into the customer domain. And so that automation is probably less common. If we take that even further, you take that customer context And you now expand it into the customer's instance of the application. So if you think about, if you can take the automation workflows that are sitting across your network domain, automate into your internal organization that's supporting the customer, then drive that automation into the customer's instance so that they can execute a particular change onto their side of of the environment, that's not crossing even organizations. That's even less evident into today's world. And that's the focus of where we are trying to bring in um, the, the ServiceNow application and the platform, which is we're not even not only trying to break boundaries between organizations within the organi- uh, within within a service provider, but across the organization, uh, really trying to pro- provide automation across the edos- ecosystem, if you will. That's the utopia that we look that we look for when you look at automation.
0: That's very interesting, Rohit. I, I mean, I guess part of what I'm hearing there is the idea that automation, an automation first mindset, and um, doesn't accept boundaries (laughs) it doesn't accept departmental boundaries it doesn't accept corporate boundaries you know teams and so on i think that's i think that's quite interesting we we talk a lot about silos and trying to break the silos but in order to break the silos you need a bigger idea to to carry across that and it seems logical that automation um fits that um i I do want to get close in closer in on something that you announced a, a year or so ago um, which is the although you were already present in telecom, I, I think ServiceNow with the telecom network inventory product made a, a much more distinctive, you know, visible push into into a space that was traditionally, you know, OSS kind of territory. I, I know we won't be able to go into too many specifics, but one of the uh, one of the things that, that we thought at the time—I know Francis wrote about this at the time—was was a change in the in the inventory market itself and um, a, a kind of sea change to use a word. Um away from the idea of look, let's pursue hundred percent data accuracy, um, which is as Francis already indicated in the earlier comments, you are not really achievable, and more towards that natural process view. Um is that is that how you saw it? It sounds like it is, but do you see evidence of this of this change in mindset uh, in discussions with other with other telco customers?
2: I think the three of us should have bought a lottery ticket back then because we were on to something. Um I I, I so I think the answer is yes. Uh, we, When we started this conversation, uh, to your point, about a year ago, we 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 hope that the conversations that we have with the customers will move in this trajectory. To your point, AT&T was, was the one that led us in that direction uh, in a lot of this. Uh, but every conversation that we've had with a customer where we've talked about network and network operations and inventory, it's always moving beyond data and now into process conversations. Um, and, and, and I think... I mean, don't get me wrong, data is important. Like we we believe that data is absolutely essential. Um, and you need access to the data, and you need access to clean data and accurate data. Otherwise, you can't run the process. But the notion really is that data alone is not enough. If you think about inventory, inventory is in the service of something. It's either in service of an ordering process where you're trying to deliver the service, and you need to know whether, the, whether you have um, the network capacity to be able to deliver the service or it's in service of an assurance use case where you're trying to make sure that your services can have the uptime and the SLAs that the customers are signed up for. Um, so when you look at those key processes across service delivery, service assurance, service management, that's what inventory is being used for. It's not just the data alone issue. And I think that's the conversation that we, we had with at and when we started this journey. And that's how they saw it as well. Um, We've been used as the application from a workflow perspective for service operations and network operations for quite a long while. Extending that on from the data concept and having those sources built in from the network inventory standpoint just augmented our positioning and just helps customers connect those two the positions together.
0: Francis, I I know you you wrote about this at the time. Do you want to add anything to that from a wider market perspective? Yeah,
1: I I, I think the really interesting thing about um, ServiceNow's entry or its position in inventory, it's less actually to do with inventory. It's more actually a push that we're starting to recognize that a lot of the processes within telcos, which telcos have always viewed as completely different to the rest of the world, are actually the same. That a service assurance uh, process uh, solution or a delivery solution are actually a lot of the characteristics are, characteristics are actually very much the same. Um, and it positions really a kind of telco as another ent- uh, as another enterprise. Yes, it has special needs and the inventory is actually very much that sort of special need. It is the characteristics of a wide area network. It is the characteristics of uh, a distributed uh, connect- connected network. It is the issues of if that thousands, if not tens of thousands, of locations, all of which are are distributed, but it still says my problems of assurance, how I uh, how I uh, how I t- trouble ticket, how I assure something, are actually incredibly similar to to the enterprise. And I think that it's that mentality that the telcos, instead of it seeing itself as unique amongst everybody, is actually starting to see that it it is. Um, less unique in a lot of aspects but actually by being less unique it can be adapted it can be incorporated into what enterprises are doing rather than being this kind of complicated other that is over the uh, uh, over the other side of some very complicated interfaces that are internally focused
0: and apis that are internally focused on what the telco does rather than what the enterprise needs part of the Change again. We've referenced it on a couple of other episodes and research. Telecom still being special, but a bit less special uh, than it used to be. And that's not a bad thing. It means that you can tap into you know all those things that are that are more common problems. Just to zoom out for a moment, Francis. I know in the in the network automation software market share that we published earlier this year, we put ServiceNow. Our estimate, you know, was putting them in a, in a number five spot in the AIOps segment, which might have surprised some people because the the names above them in that list were uh, Nokia, Huawei, IBM, and Ericsson, and ServiceNow, again, a company that's well known in some contexts, less well known in others, but that, that might have uh, been been interesting to, to some folks. Um, do we see that, do we see that in this kind of mass market share being taken by with all due respect, non traditional telco players like ServiceNot. Um, or, you know, do we think these things are going to be, you know, one offs from customer to customer, telco to telco? What what's what's our kind of Trajectorial view, if that's a word. I guess,
1: like all good questions, the answer is it slightly depends. I think, um, as you say, three of the top four AI ops players we've got at the moment are the NEPs. And, and that, as that's as it should be. A lot of the operational functions are still very much tied um, to the evolved NMSs of these, um, these, the, the, these companies um, and or t- attached to actually quite well incumbent service assurance um, pr- providers. Um, but I think it it does characterize a potential shift of gear in terms of what those operational processes are looking like. As I say, this, this starting to have a recognition that the, the telco's business is much more like an enterprises. Um, it's less care. It, it has differences, but it's less characterized by those differences as the opportunity to leverage um, the, 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 knowledge of a, of, 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 a, of a wider, a wider place. So I, I, I think, I think in 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 terms of uh, uh, the the thing I think it is a watch this space thing I think there is an opportunity um, for the network equipment providers to recognize this shift um, and to, and to become experts in, in in that solution but at the same time there's opportunities for um, uh, sort of new players in this area like service and that to really bring that kind of uh, what is it, tel- telco's about 10% of an uh, uh, enterprise market. It's bring the rest of that 90% of knowledge into this area to to solve telco's problems.
0: Rohit, I, I, obviously anybody who's been watching ServiceNow will recognize just what a busy year. It's been lots of good stuff in there. I know you had your own big uh, user or customer event recently, at which there was, I think the standard announcement was a announcement with Accenture and NVIDIA on Gen AI, of course, it has to be about Gen AI. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, but, and that's fine. Uh, but that, that seemed pretty that seemed pretty sizable. Uh, uh you know, and an interesting an interesting um, constellation of of players uh, combining there from Silicon and, and, and you know that level of software through yourselves and, and Accenture. Um, what what's next for for ServiceNow and in your role with a kind of TMT hat on, what should we be expecting to see uh, To see ServiceNow do next? Are you guys gonna expand into you know, BSS type territory or, or, or as far as Telecom is concerned? So, um, great
2: question. Uh, I'll talk about three things that, um, that are on top of mind or on focus for us. One we've talked about earlier is continuing to break down the boundaries between customer and IT organizations and the network organizations making sure that they can all see one single process that we are always looking at, solving for in in, in lieu of a customer, in lieu of what's required for the business and the organization. Um, And the reason for this is so that service providers are not trying to reinvent these processes, not trying to reinvent this to differentiate themselves, but differentiating really on the brand, on the offering. Um, That's kind of the the focus for us as a first dimension and creating that uh, process out of the box. The second one is to extend those workflows into the core enterprise systems and and, and domains. Um, I'll give you two examples of what that really means. The first one is if you think about an asset management process. Um, When we acquire assets as an organization, we go through a procurement process. We deprecate them into your financial systems. Those systems typically are not connected to what a network operations looks like. And one of the focuses for us is to try and bring these enterprise applications and systems processes into what a network system would typically manage. So how can you have your network inventory applications and the processes that define network inventory connect with your enterprise applications and what you procure, how do you deprecate, how do you manage auditing, and so on and so forth. That's one area we're looking at. The second one is around ESG. Like I, I strongly believe service providers... Uh, do not have an option but to look at ESG as a, as a very intensive strategy for them as an organization. When you're managing scope one, scope two, scope three emissions, um, from from the perspective of the organization, data centers and network inventory have a key role to play in it. Um, so connecting those, you know, if, if you will, the corporate functions uh, and response, social responsibilities to an application that can, that drives your business is the other area that we're looking at. Uh, and lastly, as you mentioned, generative AI. Look, I think generative AI is extremely hot. Um, everybody's talking about it, and I do believe strongly that it's a game changer for us in our lifetime in our industry. But I think the real the real value of generative AI, what it's actually done, is not just the use cases that uh, ChatGPT and others have built, but it's really the what it's driven into the audience and the and the organizations is that AI is accessible. Um, AI as a domain is accessible, and so the power of AI, in its purest form, not just generative AI, is what people are leaning towards. It's got an AI at the limelight that I think AI needs, and this industry needs for us. So when I mm-hmm. when I talk about AI, it's about task intelligent AI ops, as we talked about, machine learning, predictive uh, issues, uh, predicting issues uh, ahead, you know, order remediation activities. Um, the, the promise of the level four automated networks—that's what I think this conversation has now become, because generative AI has made that conversation mainstream for us. So I think those are the areas of focus for us right at the moment, and we'll continue to to, to drive in, uh, investments into into those uh, domains.
0: That's great, Rohit. Th- thanks for giving us that perspective. You know, those are, are issues that that many corporations face. So yeah, and they're they're all critically important. So yeah, good to hear that you'll be working on helping telco solve those issues um are we going to see you in copenhagen rohit service not going to be there absolutely mwc what's coming up where are you on the road so absolutely in copenhagen we
2: we have um, an action-packed week we've got our entire team there uh we'll be hosting a lot of our customers hopefully looking forward to meeting y- you and your teams and and all of our, our customers and partners there um we have events that we are actually hosting where our, our customers are going to be talking about uh you know uh, the, user service now in the organizations hopefully in, in pure candid nature, the, the good and the bad, and challenges that they've faced, and challenges that they've overcome with the platform. Um, so absolutely looking forward to doing that. Um, we will be also in Mobile World Congress. Um, so we're continuing to uh, hopefully to provide uh, learning exercises for us and our organizations to learn from our customers and to what their challenges are, and hopefully share our experiences as we go deeper into our journey with telecommunications.
0: Rohit and Francis, thank you both for your time today. It's certainly, it's an automation future for the telecom industry and, and great to hear your your involvement in that uh, today. Thank you very much and we'll see you both very soon. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Appledore Research Podcast. Join us next time for more insights and conversation on the transformation of telecom.